You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. We are talking about origins, and this summer we're sharing our core values that we have here at Refuge. And, and when we look at core values, core values are really uh, describes how we do life together, how we live, how we interact one with another, not only within the church, but as we reach out to the community. It's values we place uh, really upon biblical principles of how we live this life in Christ. And as refuge, we are a place for people. And it's our desire that people come and have an encounter with the living God, with the person of Jesus Christ, an encounter that will have an impact and a change upon their life so that when they come through these doors, they don't leave the same. If they come with baggage, if they come with bondage, if they come with issues, that they can come, that they can leave with answers and they can find what God has made available to them through his provision that he's made available to us through his redemption on the cross, his redemptive work. And we know that our vision, you've heard it said, and I want to continue to speak this out so that we can really have, a, have this in our hearts. Uh, at Refuge, we believe that all people matter to God. This is a place where we grow, finding authentic hope, purpose, and love through the person of Jesus Christ, through Jesus. And so far, uh, and most of these, I think all of these are on podcast. Uh, we have covered uh, core values, and I'm just going to go through the list. We are people that cannot be broken. We are a family that will always forgive. We are peacemakers in a world at war. We are a body that, when damaged, will heal. We're a safe place for the poor and for rich. We're a haven for those who are tired. We are a friend who will never grow weary. And today, we're going to actually do two of them. I wasn't here last week, so uh, we are enablers for those who seek truth. And then we are a journey that never grows old. We're going to cover those two uh, this morning as we share the word. But I want to direct you to the scripture we find in, in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. And this particular passage has always intrigued me and always been one of my favorite passages of the Bible because I believe it relates to all of us and it pertains to every human being on this planet. And so let's take a look at this passage in John 8, 31 and 32. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. See, it's knowing the truth, it's abiding in his word that brings us to a place of freedom in our lives. Because without the truth of Jesus, we're in a place called bondage. And some people don't even realize it. They think their bondage is freedom. Let's take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this opportunity to look to your word. We ask that your spirit would give us understanding. We thank you for a spirit of revelation in the knowledge of you. Father, open our eyes to see and our ears to hear. I thank you for these people that have come today to receive your word. I pray, Father, that you move in their lives 
and that you reveal to them a greater understanding of the truth of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I want to ask a question to you, and, and that is, do you consider yourself a seeker of truth? Do you consider yourself a truth seeker? Now, I'm convinced that there are some people that don't really want to know the truth. And the reason being it is because it makes them accountable. And maybe if they hear the truth, it will require that they make some changes in their life. In fact, they would rather believe a lie because if they hear the truth, they know they're going to have to change. Now, does truth really exist? I think that's a question for some in the culture that we live in today. There's this question, is there such a thing as truth? In the culture today, there's a real crisis when it comes to defining truth. In fact, secular humanists state that truth is relative. In fact, uh, it's just uh, no big deal. So because it's relative, there's just, it's no big deal to compromise that truth. Uh, truth, what would be claimed to be truth. They claim that truth is not absolute, but I believe they're absolutely wrong, okay? You know, relativism is the concept, because they say truth is relative. Relativism is the concept that points, that a point of view in a person's perspective, uh, no matter what it is, they all have validity of, of some sort, but uh, they're acceptable. And what's true to you may not be true to me, but if it's true to you, that's fine. It's relative to the situation, to the circumstance at hand. But truth is not relative, it is absolute. It's valid, it's irrefutable. Uh, you, can, you cannot change the truth, you can change a lie, but you can never change the truth because the truth is always consistent and always con constant. Now absolute truth is defined as what we call valid, as inflexible reality. It's fixed, it's invariable, it's unalterable, it's permanent facts. Without absolute truth, there is really no standard for right and wrong. And see, that's where the culture is kind of losing it right now because they don't really have a firm understanding of what's right and what's wrong. All of that is being kind of muddled together. And so people are doing things that are clearly wrong when you understand absolute truth and they're making it acceptable and, oh, this is okay. But I believe there's clear def definition of, of what's absolute when it comes to truth. Now, no one is forced to accept the truth. In fact, you can't force somebody to accept the truth. They have to receive it. Uh, but it's, it, it's certainly a disgrace upon the human intellect when you think a person would not have a desire to at least know the truth. There should be a quest for truth in, in every human being. In fact, to find out what the truth is, with me growing up, it's like I wanted to know the truth. Don't tell me a lie. Don't make up some story. I want to know the truth. And I want to know the truth of the matter. Because uh, growing up, uh, there was a time that I, I realized I came under deception because of a belief system I embraced. And then coming to knowing 
the Bible and the truth of, of God's word and what he said, I realized what I believed was wrong in light of the truth. And, and because of that, I began to develop this passion where I just hated deception. And I can remember the very moment and even the very place. I, I was in the barn doing chores and, and dad was milking the cows. He's sitting out there now and he milked the cows for many, many years. He did the morning milking, the boys did the evening milking. But I can remember I was in the silo room. You know what the silo room is? It's the room where um, you, know, you empty the silo, you unload the silage from the silo, and then you take it and feed the cows. I'm in a silage, a silo room, and I can remember having discovered a truth about eternal life, that it wasn't my works that were gonna get me to heaven, it was my faith in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross. And I was thinking about that and I said, Lord, I had been deceived thinking that it was my works that were going to get me there. I don't ever want to be deceived again. I want to know the truth. And I can remember that moment. It was just like I, I said, Lord, I don't ever want deception to rule my life, to dominate my life, to control my life. I just want to know the truth. And, and that moment, there was just a passion in me and a journey I began to pursue the truth, to become a student of the Bible, to, to read the word and, and find out what is in the word of God and how does that relate to my life? How does that affect me? How does that affect others? And so part of it was coming to a point in my life that I determined that this was final authority where my life was concerned. See, not everybody believes that about the Bible. Some people look at the Bible and they they you know, it's like going shopping. They just pick and choose what they want. You know, uh, if you let your kids do the shopping, you know, a six-year-old, let them do the shopping sometime. They're not going to put any broccoli in that cart. Uh, they're going to pass by the fruit section. Uh, they're going to get all, they're going to find the candy section, the soda section, the chip section. They're going to fill the cart with things that they like, you know, but... There's things that are good for them that they might not put in there. So uh, we as, as believers need to come to a point where we discover and determine that God's word is the final authority, that God's word is true. And until you come to that place, you're going to have struggle when you read and study the scriptures if you haven't determined that, Lord, I believe that this is final authority where my life is concerned and you place the value on, on the truth of the word. And, and there's a significant reason why we can do that, because the Bible is like no other book. When you think about how God has preserved his word through the years to give us a copy of his will and testament, he preserved this over the years. And, you know, it's interesting because uh, you can take any other book and you can walk into a public place and set it on the counter and nobody will think anything of it. But if I would go down to Starbucks today, take my Bible and put it on the counter and just stand there like that, people would start, hmm, they would get uncomfortable. Why is that? There's something about the Word of God. It's still the number one published book in the world. There's more Bibles published every year, every year than any other book that's published. There's more copies of the Bible than any other book 
on this planet. And I don't think that's going to ever change as long as we have the Gideons working for us, right? <laughs> uh, they, they publish the scriptures and they give them out freely in all these countries all around the world. All right. Now, uh, <clears throat> the God who created the world, think about this for a moment. He also made our brains. And he made our brains in the way so that we could understand him. And he gave us his word so that he could reveal himself to us. Um, when you discover, uh, well, let me just say that I want to talk a little bit about integrity. Integrity is an important thing to me. I, I really strive to be a man of integrity. I integrity is, is, the whole concept of integrity is wholeness. It's authenticity. It, it's really being true to your word, a man of your word, it's uh, not being double-minded. It's not having double standards. Uh, we discover that integrity begins by seeking the truth. Integrity is actually basing everything on the truth. Uh, seeking the truth of God's word and the truth of the matters is how we develop integrity in our lives. In fact, the act of continuing in the word is what establishes truth in our life. So that's why uh, it's important to get your daily bread. Uh, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And we happen to have a copy that he made available for us. And so some people can't discern the truth from the lie. Uh, spending time in the word will acquaint us with truth and understanding so we won't be subject to the lie or give in to the lie. When you know the truth, the lie loses its power to deceive in your life. I think about just in other things. When you know the truth, the lie can't stand up, right? That's why we need to know the truth. We need to know the truth of God's word. The truth is absolute and it's unchanging. And there is a contrast between the truth versus the lie. You cannot change the truth. It's constant and consistent, but you can always change a lie. That's why if you tell a lie, guess what? To cover that lie, you have to tell a couple other lies. It's a whole lot easier just to tell the truth. Then you don't have to backpedal and try to cover up your lies. And some people, they continue to cover up their lie. They do something, well, they lied, so I got to cover myself there, I got to cover myself there. And so their whole life becomes a lie. Now, uh, Pontius Pilate, how many of you ever heard of that character? Uh, we, we see um, in John chapter 18, if you have your Bibles turned there, we're going to look at a couple of passages about Pontius Pilate. Uh, in verse 37 in John 18, and, and, and just to give you a little backdrop of this, Pilate asked Jesus the question that I believe is in the heart of every person. He asked this question, and, and let's read this and get a little bit of backdrop here. Verse 37, Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? And so here he's interrogating Jesus. He's trying to find the truth about who this guy is. And then he says, you say rightly that I'm a king. That's Jesus' response. Then he says, for this cause I was born, and for this cause I've come into the world. Now notice what it says that I should bear witness to the truth. 
That's why he came into this world, to bear witness to the truth, to really make us know what the truth is, to be a witness. To be a witness to the truth is to testify. This is truth, okay? And so, and then he goes on to say, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Then verse 38, Pilate said to him, what is truth? What is truth? He didn't know what truth was. And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. So Pilate couldn't find anything wrong with Jesus as he was interrogating him. And um, I can't find anything wrong with him either. Can you? No, no, no one can find anything wrong with him. So what is a truth seeker? I'm going to give you just a a little bullet point list here of what a truth seeker is, and maybe you can identify with some of these points in your own life. And first of all, a truth seeker is someone who's on a journey to discover what is authentic, genuine, and real. A truth seeker is appalled by what is false and counterfeit. You know, I could think of examples of, have you ever got a, a counterfeit bill. A number of years ago, there were some counterfeit $20 bills uh, circulated through the uh, community. And these would show up in different places. And people were furious. They were angry because they had this paper that was worth nothing. And so it's infuriating to people when they have to deal with counterfeit anything, okay? Now, to seek the truth you have to investigate to get to the truth of the matter. In other words, you've got to dig a little deeper. You've got to do some investigation at times. In fact, if you're attempting to discover the truth in a dispute between two parties, you have to hear both sides. I don't know, you know, your parents with children, and if they're uh, old enough to get in disputes, and, and they say he said, she said, and, you know, they're pointing the finger, blaming each other. You've got to set those children down and hear their side and get their side, and then you need to be the judge, okay? You need to determine and discern uh, what needs to be done to settle that dispute. Now, another bullet point, what is a truth seeker? Truth seekers are always considerate of what they hear. Uh, We see an example in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 11. Paul and Silas, they preached at Berea, And it was noted that the inhabitants at Berea received the word with gladness, but they searched the scripture to really find out if what Paul was saying and Silas was saying were accurate. They studied. They didn't just take what they heard and said, oh, yep, hook, line, and sinker. No, they searched it out. They wanted to know, is this valid? Is what they're saying real? Is it true? And and so uh, to have that readiness of mind that... That, that you're giving consideration. And, and just because I say something or any preacher says something, that doesn't mean you are required to believe it and just accept it without giving it some consideration, without giving it some thought. Because you know, I, I believe I, that we all need to be students of the word. And just because I say something, and it might sound good, does it line up with the scripture? 
because there's a lot of false teaching and false doctrine out there that's deceiving people and messing them up big time. And so I always challenge you, search out in the word. And if you come to me and say, Pastor, I just don't see that what you said is quite right. And, and I go, oh, let's look at this. And there's been time over the years where I've had to even publicly say what I shared on this particular thing, I was off, I was wrong. Because, you know, I'm, I'm human too. I can make mistakes. But uh, I'm, I'm not one to try to just, you know, cover up my mistakes. I want, I want to be right because I'm a seeker of truth. Truth seekers consider biblical principles the heart of their research and growth in understanding God and Jesus Christ, the person of Christ. Truth seekers are willing to put their trust in God. And, and I believe that children are most receptive to the truth. That's why Jesus said of, of them that these are greatest in the kingdom. Uh, the disciples were disputing who's the greatest in the kingdom, and Jesus brought a child and said, of such is the greatest in the kingdom. Why? Because children are, are most receptive to truth. That's why we're not to offend them. Children will believe what you tell them. They'll receive the truth that you tell them. In John chapter 16, actually John chapter 17, verses 16 and 17, and Jesus is praying. And this was the night uh, that he was betrayed. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's praying for his disciples. And in his prayer, he says, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. And then he says in verse 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So in this particular passage, Jesus is saying that his word is truth. The word of God is truth. And that his prayer was that we be sanctified in truth. What does that mean to be sanctified? Sanctified means to be set apart, to be uh, reserved for something. So the tr we are to be set apart, the truth in our life. It's reserved for our lives, okay? And we're sanctified. That word sanctification means a cleansing, a, a washing, a setting apart for, for the purpose of God. Now the Bible, which is the word of God, does not just contain the truth. It is truth. It's absolute. It's inerrant. And where is truth found? Well, it's found in the Bible. Again, John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. How many of you really, really want to be free? See, th there's some misconceptions of what true freedom is. Freedom isn't to do as you please. Freedom is to do as God pleases because God knows what's best for us and he's trying to protect you from things that can be hurtful and harmful for your life. And, and there's some things, I, you know, I don't like, well, God, why do you, you know, you don't want me to do this. You don't want me to do that. And just like a parent, it's not good for you, my son. It's not good for you. It's not going to help you. Now, this passage here is an important voice. I want you to see this in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Because truth affects a work in our lives that we need to have an understanding of. In 1 Thessalonians 2.13, it says, For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Now, he, Paul is speaking to the Thessalonians, and he's thanking God for these people 
And, and this is the reason he's thanking God for them about. Because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. So he's saying you received what we preached as the word of God in truth, the truth of God's word, which is effectively working in your lives. Let me tell you that truth affects a work in our lives. It's working in us. So when we spend time in the Word, we're giving it an opportunity to get in our hearts, to renew our minds, and it begins to work in our lives. Truth has an impact upon a human being, upon a life, upon a heart, a mind, a soul. Now, something, and I could do a whole message on this, truth is often suppressed in our culture. There are forces right now that is attempting to suppress the truth. And there's a passage we see in Romans chapter 118, because I don't want to be guilty of suppressing the truth, because that will bring the wrath of God. Now, God's a God of love, and he pours out his love. But if we reject his love, if we reject his mercy on a continual basis, eventually we'll face his wrath, his judgment. But he doesn't want that to happen to us. He wants us to receive his love. And in Romans 1.18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. See, ungodly living and all that stuff is suppressing the truth. It's preventing it from being made known. And so, uh, let me tell you this. Unless the truth is shared with somebody, they'll never be free from their bondage. And there are forces in our culture that are trying to silence the church from being able to proclaim the truth because it's the truth that will set the captive free. And if we can't speak the truth, then we'll be paralyzed to really bring transformation to the culture. But we have to speak it in love. That's, that's, that's a key. And, and so what does truth mean for us here at Refuge? What does it mean for us as refuge to be an enabler for those who seek truth. And let me just mention this, I gotta say this, to enable someone is most often used in a negative connotation. We think, well, they're just enabling that person. Uh, but not all enabling is negative or harmful to people, okay? We need to make that point. If I'm enabling somebody to stay in their sin or in their junk, then, then that's a problem. But if we're enabling people to help them come to an understanding of truth so they can walk in the victory that God has for them, that's a different thing. So what does it mean? I have three points if you want to write these down. Uh, what does it mean for us as refuge to be enablers of those who seek truth? Number one, it means that we have to search out and discover the truth for ourselves so we can be ready and equipped to share it with others. So that means you need to get in the Word. You need to know what the word says. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You need to become a student of the Bible, a student of the word, so that you'll be prepared and equipped when some of the difficult questions are being asked, so you can be prepared to share the truth that can bring freedom and help to hurting people. Number two, 
It means that we speak the truth in love, not to tear down, but to build up. And we see in Ephesians 4.15, it says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, even Christ. And so we speak the truth in love. We don't beat people over the head with it. There's a way we present the truth, and it can be shared with kindness and, 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 and in a way that people can receive it, okay? You know, if I really care for somebody, I'm, I'm not going to come down uh, cruel and mean and harsh with them. If, if they're really blowing it, I'm going to come along and say, hey, you know, uh, let's talk. Let's have a discussion. And, and some things can be communicated through a discussion where you really show genuine concern and care for that person's well-being. And, and I haven't always been approached that way by people. I, I know in my years as a young person, somebody would try to reach out to me and even share the gospel with me, and maybe their approach was wrong. And, but, and I would think they don't really have my uh, genuine, uh, genuine concern and care for my well-being. They're just thinking about themselves, and they're trying to beat me up and beat me over the head with what they believe uh, uh, is the truth. But So then number three, it means that we help others to discover what true freedom is. We help others to discover what true freedom is. And, and true freedom is, is found in Christ, found in the vital relationship with him. Now, I want to spend just a couple of minutes uh, and talking about a journey that never grows old. When we think about a journey, a journey is travel or passage from one place to another. We, we can talk about even the journey from uh, youth to maturity as, as somebody's growing up. That, that's a journey. They're passing from one place to another. It's, it's progress from one stage to another in life. And so we're on this journey. In fact, uh, if we ever go on a long trip, how many of you have been on a long trip ever? Uh, it takes planning. It takes preparation. And most important, you have to have a destination. You don't plan to go on the trip if you don't have a destination in mind. So what kind of journey are you on? What direction is your life going? When you're on a journey, you have a destination in life. And uh, we, I believe that you should have a goal uh, in life. Do you have one? Otherwise, you can just be bouncing around here and there and not really having any purpose at all. Life is a journey. And each one of us are on this special journey called life, uh, a journey which God has a special and unique plan for you. And in fact, Jesus said, and part of this plan that God has for you, part of this unique plan is his church. Jesus said he would build his church. And he said that he would have a place and a part and a role for you to serve and in to in the play in the church. So church is part of his plan. And at Refuge, we believe that, that church is something that Jesus himself is building, that he wants all of us to be a part of. Now, not, we know that not everyone uh, is necessarily called to be part of refuge because God's got other churches in this community that are serving the purpose of God. But we believe there are those that God desires for us to reach and serve. And, and that's, that's an important thing. So we place a value on, on what God has for this journey that we have together as, as a body of believers. Now, every day is an opportunity to grow and experience more of God in your life. It's part of that journey. The mercies of God are revealed and made new every morning. 
See, he's, he's extending to you his grace and an opportunity for you to experience all that he has for you. In Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, the scripture reads, and, and this is probably familiar to many of you. You've heard this. You maybe have a plaque in your house. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. Uh, the Amplified Bible actually says to give you a hope in your final outcome. So this plan, this is part of the journey that God has for you. What does a journey that never grows old mean here at Refuge? Number one, it means we have a future that is secure. We have a future that's secure because we know where we're going. Every journey has a destination. We have a destination to impact this community. We have a destination that's eternal to spend eternity with Jesus. So when we pass this life, we'll uh, be prepared for the next. And that's actually the second point. Um, and I, I like this. I was thinking about how to present this. And, and you can use this analogy. Uh, it means that we are a travel agency to help people reach their final destination. Amen? Equipping people to succeed in this life and be prepared for the next, right? Number three, it means that we are a church or community of believers that is pursuing Jesus. We're following Jesus. Number four, what is it? What does the journey that never grows old mean here at Refuge? It means that we are a community of believers on a journey whose lives are being transformed and we're creating a culture that reflects the heart of God. And so we want you to join us on this journey. In John 8, 36, Jesus made a statement. He said, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Now, this is in the same context of what we read previously in John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus said, if, if he makes you free, then you will be free indeed. You can experience what true freedom is. In John 14, 6, Jesus made a statement. He said, I am the way. That's speaking of the journey. Then he says, I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, some people might think that's narrow-minded because some people might think, well, there's many ways to God. But really, there's only one. There's only one mediator. There's only one way. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus here not only says he's the journey, but he's also the truth. So the truth is a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And if you have not met Jesus, then you've really not met truth. And so we want to give you an opportunity this morning to receive Jesus if you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You might say, well, what does it take to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Well, the, the scripture tells us if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved, knowing that he died on the cross for your sins. But taking your sins to the grave, he rose above the grave victoriously, giving us eternal life, a gift that 
none of us deserved and none of us earned. But he did the work for us. And all we have to do is receive, believe and receive what he's done. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I don't know that if I were to die today that my life is right with God. I don't know that I've made my peace with God. And there's an uncertainty of where I really stand with God. So would you pray with me so that I could have that assurance, so that I could have that confidence that my life is right with God? And it's a decision that you have to make. I can't make it for you. It's a decision of you believing in Jesus. It's a decision of you accepting him as your Lord, as your Savior, allowing him to fill your life with himself, allowing him to transform you into the person that he desires you to be. See, we've messed up our lives because of this thing called sin. It's a problem we all have. But Jesus took care of that. He paid the price for it so that you could receive eternal life. I want to pray for you at this time. Thank you, Father. Father, we are so grateful and thankful for this time in your word this time that we could gather as believers and as, as people. Heavenly Father, I ask that you reveal yourself, that you reveal the love of your Son, Jesus Christ, to us, that you reveal truth in us. Father, we thank you for this journey that we're on, a journey that's taking us to a destination that you prepared, Father, as we serve your purpose in this life, we thank you for your grace, for your strength, for your enablement, so that we can accomplish your will and make a difference in the lives of others. In Jesus' name, we give ourselves to you. We surrender ourselves to you. Let truth have its rightful place in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearerefuge.net.